Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The Small Business Show on irishexaminer.com for a different view on Irish business. If you're on the way to a job in your Volkswagen Caddy, Crafter, Transporter or Amarok, you've obviously already invested in the best. So when it comes to servicing, keep giving it the best. At Volkswagen, we know your van like no one else. Our technicians will guarantee that your van is serviced to the highest standards using only Volkswagen genuine parts. You see, we're the experts. We don't just follow the manual. We wrote it. Caddy service 129 euro. All other models 159 euro. Prices expat. To find your nearest service centre and for full terms and conditions, visit volkswagenvans.ie. Welcome back to the Small Business Show on irishexaminer.com, brought to you by Volkswagen Commercial Vehicles, where 149 euros will get your vehicle serviced. Contact your local Volkswagen dealer for details, terms and conditions apply. Now, looking for staff, staff retention, and what an employer is looking for in candidates is our next segment on the show. And Derek Perrell, Regional Manager at FRS Recruitment, joins me on the line to talk about this. Derek, you're very welcome to the Small Business Show. Thanks for having me, Caelan. So first of all, what are SMEs typically looking for in a candidate in, in the market now? Well, outside of the obvious, Galen, um, which would be you know the capability and the right experience to do the job, an SME in particular requires something a little bit special, especially in this market, and that is the buy-in to the vision of the employer. So put simply, to help make the company the best it can be. So an SME obviously usually runs is run by a, an owner-manager. You know They invest all their time and hard work into the business, and they expect that level of buy-in that whoever whoever comes on board, you know, sees that vision and, and will work as hard to make a success of the business. So they don't just want, you know, a, a really good employee that can do the role. They want somebody who is invested in, the, in, the, in I suppose, the, the long-term goals and not the candidate who says, well, I'm, I'm looking for a weekly wage or just the next job that's available. Mm. But the one question that always comes up, how do I get the best candidate that's, that's typically uh, interested in, in working for me and how am I going to retain them in the long run? And does that also have a lot to do with the, the business ethos and the manager themselves? They need to buy into you, the person, the manager too. It's, it's, it's simple, you know. If the if the if the manager, the owner, uh, you know, has a nice role and offer, and actually contributes to the person and the team, the way they contribute to their own business, then they'll they'll get that level of buy-in. You know, they'll be able to reward a candidate uh, more so sometimes in a bigger company because you know you can get the the, the new employee involved in in I suppose more operational aspects of the business. You can speak to them about uh, future plans, give them the goals that you have, and I suppose expand their own knowledge and that will come through I suppose you know getting increased training in, in particular areas that they may not have worked in before and relies on the candidate's potential so there's a lot an SME can do for a new employee that sometimes the bigger companies can't when maybe you're pigeonholed into certain tasks you're only another part of, of, of a much bigger organisation And what about the, the, the actual CVs themselves because there seems to be a myriad of different kind of ways or different theories as to what makes up a really good CV you know the first first page is, is always the most important you hear that all the time etc etc so for somebody who's actually a recruiter who's in recruitment what what is the most important part about a CV and what are employees looking for when they get a CV in front of them 
Well, in FRS recruitment, we, we, like, we, we see hundreds of CVs on a weekly basis, so you see the good, the bad, and, and the ugly. And we say it over and over again, the CV is literally the gateway to your face-to-face interview. You know, if you don't have a good CV, you don't get to the next stage. You don't get that opportunity to go in and pitch your own skills and experience. So it's very important that you get it right. And yeah, there's a lot of, of, of I suppose, advice and a lot of theories out there, but it's actually quite simple. Not too much information. If you can keep it to around two pages, that's a good start. But really what you want to do is you want to highlight your experience that matches the job description. So if you go online and you go onto one of the major websites, one of the job boards there, you find a job spec that has maybe 20 bullet points of the of the role that, uh, that needs to be uh, done and, and the expectations. Mm. So if you match your own experience to those particular uh, requirements that the, that's on the job spec, then you can't go too far wrong. So for example, an accountant that requires US GAAP or SAGE or a particular accounting tool, if they have it and it's not on their CV and yet it's on the job description, then they need to change their actual CV to reflect that. So I suppose that the key is to keep it clear, not too many long sentences, more along the lines of bullet points, the same way that the best job descriptions are online. So in other words, you start off with your uh, company name, the dates, very important that you work there from and to, and then maybe about between, I think between maybe six and 12 bullet points of your roles, nice, clear and concise. But those bullet points have to match the job description if you have the experience. If you don't, you just put in the, the, the relevant information or the, or the most similar experience that you have uh, to, the, to the job description and you treat your CV the same way the whole way down the, the previous role and the role before that always taking uh, information from your previous roles that, that match the role that's on offer so for example if you're using a recruitment agency in order to, uh, to find out about uh, the company ask them for as much information as possible and they can kind of give you the insight as to you know maybe what the database the, uh, the company are using and if you've used that before again add it to the CV so it's, 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 it's hard work really but it, it, it's, it's the way to do it you know you, you, you have to look at each job break down the job description and change your CV each time so if someone's sending 10 CVs out in a month they might have to change their CV 10 times to match the particular role uh, another little bit of advice I'd like to give on that if you know you're not particularly good at putting a CV together or you feel it's wrong just talk to people around you you have friends you have family that'll have CVs out there as well. Compare those, get a little bit of advice. You don't always have to go to an expert. You know, someone can look at your CV and say, this doesn't read well. Uh, another thing you can do is just go online, Google CVs, you know, Google, you know, even if you put in like Google uh, excellent standard CV, you can get formats that you can type your information into. You can compare and contrast if you're an engineer, your CV to another engineer's CV that's online that looks really good. So it just takes a bit of cop on and a bit of hard work to get it right. But when you do, at least you can go from a stage of not being called for any interview to you know, getting the best chance each time you send a CV. And you mentioned something interesting there um, about about skills and having the skills for the job. Are we seeing a, a skills shortage? We we hear a lot about you know people having to upskill or or people should be upskilling or uh, finding all these different kind of ways to to improve their CV or to improve their skills. Are you seeing it there at FR, FRS recruitment? Is there a skills shortage? Definitely particularly in the, the more technical markets. So in healthcare recruitment, there's a shortage of nurses to, to work in the likes of the nursing home industry in the private sector. They prefer to be working in a clinical setting in a hospital. So we have to bring nurses from overseas into, into the elderly care environment. Likewise, with doctors into the healthcare system, they're all coming from overseas. And then the more technical desks, desks such as ICT, manufacturing, engineering, pharmaceutical, the likes of software developers with Java and .NET skills, seasoned guys, 
guys with maybe five to ten years experience are in real short demand in the economy and um, we're looking bringing people in from Europe from uh, from India and further afield so it's becoming uh, it's becoming even a, a bigger issue I suppose it's not been resolved very quickly because the, the high tech industry has really taken off in the last few years again and because of that there's an even greater demand for, for the likes of ICT roles particularly on the development side um, so yeah we have to go overseas for that we don't have enough I suppose very strong grads coming through the system um, with you know first class honours and uh, and going into software development or going into the areas that um, that that there's going to be jobs in for the next 10 20 years hmm. We're also seeing, um, interestingly enough, and I suppose it's a it's a good sign too, that uh, small businesses are finding it hard to retain staff, keep staff, uh, the good staff that they want uh, in their business. Um, how does somebody go about retaining staff and making sure that they feel comfortable working in that place, that they enjoy working in, in that place? Okay. Retention, I suppose, is a problem for everybody, you know, every type of company. If, you're, if you don't look after the staff, you... You will lose them, especially as, as you're going to have more options. But I think, in particular, yeah, the SMEs tend to suffer a little bit more for for a number of reasons. And it can be the likes of you know higher salaries and benefits on offer in the large multinational companies. It can be the candidate not realising their own potential or being given enough training or upskilling by the employer because maybe the self-employed or a small business owner is is just so focused on on maybe their own side of the business and they just don't maybe have the time to sit down with their employees regularly and and, uh, and try to upskill them. And pass on their knowledge and keep them motivated so I suppose there's a, there's a number of things you can do to compete with the higher multinationals and motivation is definitely one of those things so you know if you motivate your staff and you have a common goal that you should be aiming towards that will keep them interested in the job itself um, Does that mean that, that there's a, perhaps there's a misconception out there that retaining staff is, is all about money that you have to pay them you know fantastic wages and keep paying them higher higher wages and it's interesting that you're saying it's also about motivation the person has to feel like they want to work there too definitely like money with people will move i suppose if, if they're being called as a 5k 10k increase mm. they're, they're more likely to, to move but if they're very happy in the job they'll be a lot less hesitant you know we have like we've often gone to the market and you know spoken with candidates that are on our database or that we've uh, we've uh, uh, screened through social media sites and spoken to them about you know a new role with higher benefits a higher salary we've brought them through to offer stage and in the last uh, this last stage they start to get cold fees because they realise how happy they are in their own jobs even on less money and less benefits and then their concern is if they move to this new organisation will they be looked after as well mm. will they be will, will they be satisfied in the role you know so it's definitely not the, the A and be all of, of, of why you move the key thing is you need to do with an organisation to keep your staff would be you know the likes of taking care of the customer base rolling out um, uh, that ethos within your team that your your customers are very important. They buy into that and they get, you know, when customers are looked after, they get that, that I suppose, automatic satisfaction back that, look, you know, we're doing a really good job here. We're, we're getting excellent feedback. We're one of the best on the market. Ask our customers. So they get this feeling that they're working for a company that really cares and that feeds into the organization. They look after, mm-hmm. I suppose, the people on the team themselves and they feel that, that level of value. Uh, another thing would be just providing recognition for achievements if it's a sales role you know you can obviously reward through bonuses and commissions as the as your own organization your own little business 
creating profits or whatever they can directly bring on board, they can get a small cut in that. And again, that keeps them motivated. However, if, if your employees are in a non-direct selling role, it can be the small things that make the difference. So bringing people out for lunch on a monthly basis, sitting down and saying thank you. I mean, thank you. That goes a long way for, mm. for all the hard work. And employers do tend to, to, to take people for granted, not intentionally, but just, yeah, sure, they know they're doing a good job, I'll leave them off. But that's not the case. I mean, it's just those little things like, been brought out for lunch saying thanks for doing a good job making them feel appreciated and 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 small gestures um mm. are big parts of retaining staff like you know you hear people who who are in a good job and, and and saying look you know i'm relatively happy but i just feel underappreciated i'm not being looked after here and uh we, we hear that a lot of frs recruitment and you know it's, it's the reason sometimes people come to us to move on alone that you're just underappreciated and it's not got to do with the money fantastic absolutely brilliant uh, derek thank you very much for joining us on the small you, business Dan. show and uh, we might uh, have you come back perhaps in the next couple of weeks and uh, chat about something else got to do with recruitment and employment as well so uh, thank you very much no problem Caitlin. thank you now, after the break, the digital currency for the Irish diaspora coming back for a visit. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.